I think we're live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am Lev Polyakov at Levpo on Twitter. We got my main man, Giovanni Penicieri, the Sultan of Swing, the head <laughs> of the Mujahideen. Uh, the, uh, sorry, I don't know about, which... sorry about Tuesday. I... I, I had a long day yesterday, and I just no need to no no need to apologize. <laughs> this is not a stream where we apologize. This is a stream where we stand by our principles, and we have none other than Adam Krigler. Speaking of standing by your principles, with us today, the great Adam Krigler. We got Michael Scotto in the house as well, joining us with the Astrologic. So thank you guys so much for coming in here. Don't forget to subscribe, patreon.com slash break the rules. So we are going to start this out with uh, Adam. Adam, you were, from what I understand, at least looking at all those handsome pictures of you, a, uh, <laughs> a, a model back in the day. Uh, was, you are yeah. an incredibly you are an incredibly handsome uh, human being, both inside and out. Stop, and uh, And then... <laughs> And then, uh, from what I understand, then you were working with uh, Tim Pool, and now you've got your own uh, empire. You've got your own Krigler show. And uh, give us a little bit of um, give us a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be Adam Krigler. How you go about things, but also why you went into the kind of field you went into in the first place. Uh, what YouTube or modeling or I, well, let's know. start. Well, let's start with modeling and go from there. Well, okay, my first girlfriend ever. She was, her mother actually worked for a model search company and begged me for months and months. And I did not want to do it. I was just like, I'm not interested. I, I was actually in a gang at the time. I was like, this is so like, not Wait, like Crips and Bloods. What do you mean gang? Yeah, I, I was in, it was a different time in my life. Um, like the West Side. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Like I got into some trouble um, and, you know, I've, I've been shot at um like things you know my my younger my teenage years were uh, not what people would assume uh when they look at me but it was an interesting time in my life but hey, that's a whole another um no subject. now i want to devote the entire stream to your, <laughs> to your gangland years this is not something that i was aware uh, of this is amazing there's what there's some things about that life i don't really want public so i'm just gonna um yeah, right, move reasons. on Any, anyway oh. so so my girlfriend that she was not about that life um, I had dropped out of high school, actually, and she was like, dude, I'm not going to date this, this high school dropout. And I, I so I went back to school and I finished high school and then I, I kind of left that life behind. And she was like getting wanting me to like do this, like, oh, you got to do this modeling. Like, my look, my mom, like her mom was like, yes, please do this model search stuff. And, I, you know, then I fell in love with her and then I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do because, you know, I love you now. So uh, I ended up doing that and within two weeks I, I was flying to california i did abercrombie and fitch with malin ackerman uh jamie dornan those are two uh you know relatively famous um actors now i don't know if you are familiar with those two but you know it was it kind of took off one thing led to another and then within six months i was living in italy doing modeling and it just kind of became my entire career for a better part of a decade Here's one of the pictures that I found online. This is a <laughs> long-haired Adam over here, but there's also yeah. a short-haired Adam. You you That's are Ralph short. Lauren. Wow, that is amazing. And this yeah. is the uh, short-haired Adam. Did short-haired Adam come before long long-haired? Uh, no, I, I was long-haired for most of my adult life, and uh, I had cut my hair just out of my own my, like I wanted to, and I actually quit modeling before this picture was taken. 
uh, and Chanel hit me up and they were like, hey, we want a skateboarder. Uh, like a, we were looking for a couple actual uh, athletes. They had a professional diver, a professional horse, um, a horseman, whatever, a horse rider. <laughs> and then they had a downhill <laughs> skater which was me. I mean, mm. I was more because I was a professional skateboarder for a while. Mm. I, I used to ride for Arbor Skateboards and I was kind of the all around guy at the team. Like everyone else was kind of specialized downhills. They had a lot of downhill skateboarders, street skaters. Um, and I, I kind of grew up in New York doing all sorts of skating, but I do downhill skate and it is a lot of fun. And they had me, they flew me out to San, uh, South Africa to do that shoot. So it was kind of cool. It was the first time that I actually got hired for me instead of just my looks as what most modeling is. So that was actually nice. Awesome. And also you mentioned horsemen. I want to give a shout out to Montana horseman who is watching this right now, who was uh, one of the people in your community, an yes, actual, an actual horseman living in Montana, half, actually... half man, half man, half horse, <laughs> human <laughs> animal <Super>. hybrids. <laughs> yeah. A chimera. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's, he's been, um, he's been following me since, before I even started Adam Cast, he was in uh, the Tim Cast chat, and that was my favorite thing about being on the Tim Cast show was the chat, and and quite honestly, the favorite th my favorite thing about uh, my current show, the Krigler show, is my chat. My chat is absolutely the best. I actually have chat up. I'm not reading it, but I'm just I'm glancing over, and I see a lot of people that are in my chat normally. Uh, here right now it's great to see that they're amazing great they great to me. see you guys uh, thank you so much for uh, supporting adam and be sure to support us i am major i'm in major shill mode today so i just want to say that i think that your fans <laughs> oh, are the greatest fans your fans are so good that i think that they would love break the rules.tv all the stuff we have to offer but anyway yeah. enough enough shilling the only other thing that i want to say regarding the fans is uh you have a game that you play with your audience where they have to guess a number and sometimes they even get a prize they get some Krigler coffee so what yeah. is going on there is there an algorithm behind the scenes that allows you to uh quickly uh, pick the right number what is this no I mean I it's it takes it's a talent to actually watch the numbers fly by through chat when everyone starts guessing but uh I've gotten pretty good at it. it's only one through 20 so it's pretty easy to spot the first time someone guesses the number someone actually sent me um a pack of different dice there's I, I do a lot of space stuff. I love space. And it was like a space uh, themed dice set. And I just kind of like, I rolled the die and I was like, hey, guess, guess what it is, you know? And it just turned into this whole game. And I mean, as I said earlier, like I love my chat and I love interacting with chat and it really does add more interaction. Like you guys, you feel part of the show, you're guessing. And I'm actually not giving away coffee. It is the chat themselves that will super chat over a certain Whoa. amount that covers, they're saying like, all right, sponsor another giveaway. So they'll super chat me to sponsor a giveaway. So they're supporting me, they're supporting chat. Like that's how awesome my chat is. Man, we, we got to do that too now. We should uh, utilize the amazing power of our community to do this kind of stuff, but it does take a lot of dedication and yeah. time and people getting to know you. And like you mentioned before, it was through uh, TimCast that you uh, started uh, familiarizing yourself with a lot of these great people. What would mm. you describe your uh, your people as as far as do they fit into any particular uh, branch of uh, human society or is it all over the place in terms of age uh, in terms of occupation, whatever. The first word that comes to my mind is authentic. 
I think that is the the most that that thing pops in, you know, because they are they're real and I feel that they're honest with me and I, I try to be authentic as well because I mean there's just so much like grifters and fakers and people that don't want to take a stand on any sort of uh subject whatever it is you know like stand your ground like believe what you you believe and be proud of of who you are you know and I don't know I think my chat gravitates to me because I try to be as authentic as possible um and it feels like they're being equally authentic with me so it's great if I could say one thing before I also uh, I want to open this up to uh, the panel here, but if I could say one other thing that I am noticing about uh, your people is mm -hmm. that they also seem to have real jobs. Like they seem to be people who are who are with <laughs> unlike our audience level <laughs> composed of the neat aristocracy. <laughs> exactly but it does but it does make me wonder if there was yeah. one thing that i want to kind of open this conversation with to get your take as well as everybody else's here okay. it is something that alexander bard who is an amazing philosopher writer of the uh, uh futuric uh, trilogy of books highly recommend you check him out uh regular uh, guest on btr one of the things that he was talking about is the coming which we already are seeing in a way the coming digitization of uh, not just information, but of culture, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we relate to ourselves, our community, the way politics is even done, where the three-dimensional world that people who have been more or less grounded in reality are living in mm -hmm. may not be something that's going to exist as it's existing right now, as it existed 10 years ago. We may already be seeing this shift into a much more, let's say, abstracted information economy, which people may not be as used to. So I actually want to relate this back to Geo. Geo, if you remember that amazing stream that we had with Alexander Bard. Which and one? Which, exactly, which one? Uh, uh, oh, the Reese, the, the, with uh, Paul Town and... Yes, it was with yeah. Paul Town, Logo Daedalus, and all that. Uh, what do you think of the point that uh, Bard and the others were making there when it comes to the people who are more grounded in reality today is there even going to be a familiar reality to them in the uh, decades to come, or is it going to be something completely alien? Well, I think that stream we were talking about the mobility of capital and power, but that, but it, in terms of digital life, I mean, it, it almost reminds me of um, what Hannah Arendt said in the human condition, like there's the life of action, the life of thought, right? Nowadays, it's almost like the life of action takes on IRL, the life of thought takes on this like weird online hybrid existence that has something to do with the real, but not quite like even just talking about the relationship to the audience. Like one thing that's clear is that there are grifters who treat their audience like Jannies and numbers. Yeah, exactly. But, but the Janny goes beyond because the Janny does the work of spreading the message, but also like, it's like this weird kind of like, I know it's like a term that's thrown around so much, the parasocial relationship. It's like, you know, a, a podcast can become like a friend simulator. But I appreciate our audience that they they sort of uh, critique us a lot. And, and you know, sometimes... It's more than, sorry, it's more than just a yeah, simulator. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, my, my chat, I mean, there are people that are, as soon as they tune in when I start my stream, are, are hey, how are you doing? How's mm -hmm. your mother? Like, I, how, is she getting over her sickness? I see Robert Wiles in chat, you know, like th exactly who I'm talking about referring to, you know, he'll super chat me just to wish someone else 
like a, who was having a, a difficult time. Like it, it isn't a friend simulator. It is literally friends because they're communicating with other mm. actual people. You know, it's not like you're tuning into a game where people like the AI is your friend and you like communicate mm. with the AI. So it is <laughs> a blend. But I guess the big question for me here is, is there a difference between having this kind of relationship with somebody that you would physically see where you would, uh, you know, have your uh, body next to theirs as opposed to it being purely digital? Um, I mean, is there a difference? Yes, of course. Like you don't feel someone's energy. You don't feel their, uh, you know, when you're in someone's presence, there's, uh, you know, an unspoken aura that is interacting with your aura. And it's like, you know, people don't really talk about that. Like that's, and, and that is what I think is wrong with like the whole Tinder world, you know, meeting people online before you actually get to know them. You're like talking via text. And then, you know, I, I was lucky to meet my wife in real life out in the wild, you know, like we, we interacted and we instantly gravitated towards each other. And it was like a natural, raw, real feeling. And does that diminish, say, the people that are making connections in my chat that are now friends? Because they show up and they're they're excited to just talk to each other. And then, you know, of course, they're showing up for me. But, you know, it, it's it's interesting because the world that we know, human beings, right, our society, we are now integrating this new reality, which is the internet, the, the um, you know, this it's a different dimension, right? You said the three dimensions is IRL. Now we have this new thing that we're integrating and we're getting to the point where we're kind of, it's kind of becoming a baseline. Um, and I, I think it is absolutely real. It's just lacking that, you know, authentic aura reading ability that, because you can't really ever get a good vibe of someone until you're standing in their presence, talking to them. Right. I, th I think you're doing the very best that you can with uh, your audience, given the uh, distances that uh, you face as the uh, as the wall uh, right. separating you. But there is only like so much that uh, we can really do with the people we try to interact with. My concern is even with something like the uh, various uh, mass mandates that are going on. You have these little kids mm. today that are going to schools. They're not seeing facial expressions other than, let's say, those of their uh, family. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe an even more extreme circumstance. Imagine the family that would have masks even like indoors. There was that with one the kids. that was interviewed. They like, do it. Yeah. What's happening? Wow. Wow. That is amazing. But just think about, uh, Styx was bringing this point up earlier. Think of what kind of an effect that would have in the adult life of a person who went through that as a kid, not mm -hmm. having those during the formative years, those basic things. Like, uh, I know, like, I want to bring this also to uh, Michael Scotto, who is a master astrologer. Um, mm -hmm. And we could. Uh, expand on this as the conversation goes on a little more but just to give us a little bit of a taste michael what do you see happening in the next uh, several years as far as the psychology of people as far as how they interact with each other as opposed to how they uh, interacted before well uh you know I'll, I'll give you like a when we go into the chart i'll show you exactly what's going on but in general there's a thing called a pluto return which only happens every 248 years so it's a pretty big deal. When I tried to look at like other countries that had a similar um, thing, I could actually couldn't even find a country that lasted that long. Um, the only one I found was the UK. And um, when they had their Pluto return, basically they entered World War II. So 
Um, essentially, there's going to be some major transformations in the U.S., especially uh, to like 2024, 2025, definitely by then. What kind of transformations? And also your mic is a little bit loud, so I had to manually oh, uh, make it lower. I'm overpairing. Um, so, I mean, you know, people argue about like what it might be, but essentially it's like it's one way to say it is like it's like a reshape or restructuring or reforming uh, like a regeneration would be the word of the US. Um, I, I personally think it has to do with the financial system. Um, I, I think this, I think um, the federal, you know, the Fed is essentially propping up the economy and it's, it's all going to come crashing down at some point. Um, but it could happen in a number of different ways. I've, I've heard people, I've heard people mention things like not maybe not a civil war or some, something like that, or some kind of d dividing the country in two, or maybe uh, states seceding, things like that. Wow. Yeah. I, I think also, those are all on the table, yeah. But it's funny because uh, nobody cares about the economy anymore <laughs> with what's going on. Well, Adam, do you think that there is going to be somewhat of a uh, balkanization happening in the U.S.? My big concern there is what exactly is going to happen to, let's say, something like the nuclear arsenal, something like all of these things that I think do require there being a big power from yeah. uh, just all hell breaking loose. Uh, I've been saying for quite some time that it, we already it already feels like the divided states of america you know and then like even what's going on in texas like it feels like most people in texas like the rules that are being implemented in texas it's everyone else that's complaining about it and it's like we are called the united states for a reason because it's a bunch of states united it's not one entity um, as people seem to think that we are i mean granted america on one flag um, but we are still the United States. So, I mean, are we going to see Texas secede? They've talked about it. They've had the ability to do so. It's written in their law that if they feel the need, they can. Um, I mean, I have a lot of friends in Texas that would be absolutely about it. Um, are we going to see it? I have no idea. Um, I think the main issue is China. I think China is slowly trying to take over the globe. Um, and I don't think they're trying. I think they're literally doing it. I think they're mm. making moves. They're slowly taking land from in every single country, including America. Uh, China owns a lot of land in America right now. And people don't seem to be talking about that. Even in Texas. I mean, uh, there, there was like a, a billionaire that tried to make a, a new wind farm. And Texas actually banned him from doing it because they're like, we, we can't have our power grid um, owned by someone outside of texas like that's a frightening premise um so these things are all going on behind the scenes and i think that's really the the thing we need to be focused on and us splitting up as a country i think is a horrendous idea um the problem is mainstream media news um politicians hollywood all these talking heads are keeping us divided they they want us to they i feel like they want to break us apart because I think they're all getting paid by China. I mean, I'm sure I'm being a little conspiratorial here, but from everything I've seen, I don't know. Well, I, I want to ask uh, Gio because uh, the comment by T Dubs in the chat over here saying they've got Canada now. Gio, you're talking about this all the time, how China's got Canada. But if also you could channel the spirit of Logo Daedalus, oh, who is a uh, who is a big by, fan of China. By the way, what, what would he say to this? Yeah. Well, it's funny you mention that because after this stream tonight, not listen. 
Everybody knows. Geo, this is this is the BTR stream. We promote BTR stuff. Uh, F the but competition, except for Adams, except for Adams show. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you. Um, no, I think yeah, it's true. I mean, Australia and Canada and the rest of the Anglosphere—they're pretty much. I mean, it's it's interesting how, um, just recently, even like I don't think this is going to happen. By the way, but uh, just own he. Uh, said that he was going to limit foreign house ownership for two years if he gets reelected, which I think won't happen because I pretty much think that Xi Ping will try something. But and, and, but just to play devil's advocate, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, America is obviously different. It obviously doesn't have a lot of the same pressures from the Chinese state that other countries do, particularly Canada and Australia. But at the same time, I mean, it, it is a growing concern how as america erodes its own power on the outside and focuses internally on various like you know culture camp battles the chinese can pretty much do whatever they want for example in africa particularly around ghana and places like that and it's uh i don't i don't know i mean if, if balkanization would accelerate their influence in america some people say maybe, like particularly in places like California, but who knows, right? Mm. Would it be a fair uh, assumption to make, and this has nothing to do with the size of the Chinese people at all, I am merely making this analogy having to do with the uh, uh, metaphorical size of, let's say, the influence of something like the Chinese government over the will of the United States, if we were to have the analogy of uh, that scene from Gulliver's Travels, where Gulliver is trapped down while he was sleeping by the Lilliputians, and it doesn't take that much for him to get up, would it be a fair assessment to make that maybe America, with all of its uh, creativity, all of its Promethean uh, potential, you know, to think things through and to get all the best people together and to have them create something amazing, that it's kind of like a sleeping giant right now, where we've gotten so good and so comfortable for a pretty long time, for the last, uh, you know, half a, uh, half a century, that we've kind of fallen asleep in the wheel and let a lot of little people, you know, be they Chinese government people, be they uh, politicians here, kind of uh, run roughshod. Adam, yep. do you think that that is a fair assessment to make? Yes and no, because the problem is half of, maybe not half, that's un unfair, uh, a, a, a large chunk of Americans are happy to be asleep. They're happy to be there laying down, pinned down, because... They don't care. They're lazy. They're, they have no purpose. Their purpose is now to fight ferociously for, to remain asleep. You know, that's what it feels like. They're like, no, 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 we, we need to be sleeping. Like, obviously I'm using your analogy, but you know, you could see my point there. It's like, they're like, where me, I like, I want people to wake up. I want people to, you know, do more research and, and think mm. for themselves and listen to any politician with a grain of salt and then look at what they're doing and look at the actual bills that are being brought forward and what it actually means. Um, it doesn't, people don't feel like they want to do the work. You know, to, have to, they have they, they ever done the work, though? That's the interesting thing to me. If we take a look at America back in, you know, hundreds of years ago and pretty much any country throughout history, mm -hmm. a lot of the work has mostly been done by people who have had that much more of, let's say, a will to power 
to change things, be they the intellectuals uh, who brought upon something like uh, communism back in Russia, if we're talking about not just Marx, but uh, Lenin and Trotsky and those people, yeah. in a way they were able to utilize the masses for their own particular ends. Obviously, it was very horrible what uh, that resulted in. But uh, how much do you think it's worth, kind of like uh, what uh, Mencius Moldbuck, who I also want to talk about uh, a little bit later, but uh, oh, how, he, how he says that he would rather have, you know, like a, a small amount of people who go to Burning Man as opposed to having uh, all these uh, red state people. Because the red state people are still going to be there, they're not going to go anywhere. But as far as people who actually have a certain modicum of influence to uh, change things, it would be people who are within the aristocracy, so to speak. Hmm. Well, a lot of these people, a lot of those communist, communistic-natured uh, leaders, take notes from early Marx and even Marx himself realized later on in life that he was wrong. He actually begged his followers to stop reading the communistic, uh, communist manifest manifesto, like, please stop. Cause he realized how important capitalism was. Um, these, you know, Stalin, I mean, all these Mao, Pol Pot, like all these yeah. people, they, they just want power. No, I, I don't mean to use them. You could say okay. George Washington. You could say any histor You could say Napoleon. You could say any historical figure well, that George has come Washington about. George Washington didn't want power, though. That was that's sure. No, no, but I don't difference. even mean. I don't even mean wanting power. I mean being able to utilize one's power to mm. achieve certain ends, be they positive or negative. Okay. It almost feels like that is something that to me seems missing. Where when I use the analogy of us sleeping, it's not even so much about the people sleeping. I think people. Yeah. Have have always been in a sleepy state more or less like most people they just care about the things that are um you know like uh whether Around they them. yeah well whether they have um you know food at the table whether right. they have you know practical needs most people i wouldn't expect them to go above and beyond learning about history learning about politics learning about what is the kind of system that will enable themselves to thrive yeah. so when it comes to the actual like aristocracy i don't even mean although i think the two go hand in hand i don't even mean the aristocracy of like the upper crust of society i mean more of an organic idea of like an intellectual like a mental aristocracy where you could have somebody who comes from nothing who can utilize this ability to foresee certain things and get up to a higher station in life and being able to influence uh history to go into a certain direction so do you yeah. think that those people are kind of asleep at the wheel more or less and like the ones that we have are like very low quality individuals who are just uh succumbing to the pattern of the time and are yeah just de no, degrading I think society things. has done this to us i think we are taught uh you can be anything you can do whatever you want to do in life um for you you know move out of your parents apartment get you're not an adult until you have your own place you know there's this uh, push towards individualism, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but there is something that we're, we're losing. And that's like the community aspect of humanity. Like we are social creatures. We need connection. We need to be around other humans. Like we've gotten this far by teaching each other and passing knowledge along. And, and it's almost like we're, we're trying to, you know, I don't want to, there's no specific person that's doing this, but 
you know, it's like we're built or, or designed almost to care about ourselves, like care about what's around us, which we need those base line things. Like if you can't eat, you need to focus on, on feeding yourself. Right. So that's, I mean, that's what we need. But when you take that need away, like we can just go to the store and literally buy everything we need now. Right. So we don't really have to worry about growing food and storing food for the winter time, which was all of humanity, like over the past 150 years, like our entire lifestyle has changed. So we're still kind of adjusting to that. But now we're in this place of entitlement, purposeless uh, society. Like there's no reason for people to uh, care because they are getting all of their desires taken care of. Like they're, they're, people don't understand how um, spoiled they are in life, right? And this is always something that has bugged me. People are so entitled to everything and they just complain about stuff. And it's like, you have no clue what life is like without all of these things. And for that matter, I don't either, right? I, I, but I recognize what I have, you know? I'm, I'm also vegan, I don't really talk about it, but I recognize that I can be, I know what nutrients I do need that I can take supplements so I don't have to uh, consume meat products. But if, if the store stopped carrying food, I would go fishing. I live on a river now. I'd go fishing out there, you know? So, you know, to bring it back to your question about, you know, are people, uh, what was it? It was like, you know, are they asleep? And do they, you know, to make a difference in the world, I, I don't think they think they can, you know? I think that it's, they think that they're, lost in the tide because the internet now is has taught us like there's millions of people out there and like everyone's opinion somehow matters but really no no opinions matter i don't know it's it's a well specifically not just uh not just people in general but people who i would say have had a better kind of education or are lucky in such a way that uh, whether it's reincarnation or whatever that they do have that particular napoleonic like leadership quality to be able to rise through the ranks mm. again those are the people who i would be looking at much more than just saying like like joe jane everybody you know you guys have what it takes to make a difference i mean maybe yeah. but i'm gonna bet much more on people who are let's say of this more aristocratic uh, type so to speak to be able to change things are those people either asleep or do you think that, let's say, the institutions uh, like the colleges that they go to right now have uh, brainwashed them to such an extent that any would-be future George Washington never even gets a chance to take that responsibility on because they're just stuck in the self-referential system? George Washington wanted to make whiskey, and he did, actually. He started a whiskey company after he, he quit uh, being president, or not quit, but, you know, after his presidency. Uh, he wanted to live in his and, and retire after the war. And they like, we need you, you know, and that's the best leader is the ones that don't want the power. And that's the problem with like Mao and these, these communist leaders, they want the power they want. And, and the people now, uh, the politicians, Gavin Newsom, for example, like he's terrible. I don't, you know, this is my opinion. Obviously you can think how you will about um, Gavin Newsom. I, I think he's a, it, he's one of those people that want the power. He doesn't care yeah. about anyone else, but he wants the power. He wants to maintain the power. Now he's pandering to literally everyone to keep it. And I don't think 
as an example, Larry Elder, who I think I, I hope he wins because he might actually save California, which would shift the tide of a lot of what's going on. Um, but I don't think he wanted to run for governor. I think he was he wanted to be an influencer. Dennis Prager said on an interview with Jordan Peterson the other day, you know, people have been asking him to run for office. And he's like, I didn't I don't want to. I almost did it one time and I woke up the next day and realized like I, I can't believe I did it and like withdrew his nomination because he doesn't want the power. He doesn't want to coerce people and force them. He wants to help them learn themselves. And I love that. And that's part of the reason why I don't want to run for office, you know, but it's like, how do we stop that? Because there's always going to be people that want to be authoritarians. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that go for the power positions that want to have power over others. How do you stop that? How do you incentivize people to go uh, here, go help the world, but put all of your personal dreams aside like George Washington did, you know, he, they were like, please come be president. We need you to be president. You, like, you have to unite us all now. He didn't want to do it, but he did it anyway. Well, I want to open this up to uh, the panel as well. I would love to hear uh, Gio's thoughts on this. The one thing that I would just uh, say as an aside is that uh, George Washington came from a landed gentry. And so did a lot of the uh, people who were responsible, not just for the American Revolution, but for pretty much any great uh, revolutionary sweep that has ever occurred in the entire uh, world. So yeah. he was somebody, even though he did not have, unlike his brother, he did not have a formal education. Despite that, he learned mathematics, trigonometry, land surveying. He was a draftsman. He was a map maker. And, map maker, and by early adulthood, he was, as it says here, writing with considerable force and precision. Uh, even though his writing displayed little wit or humor. But the point is, is that when you have somebody like that pre-internet, pre-all these creature comforts, who mm -hmm. takes it upon himself to learn all this stuff, it speaks to me that uh, there were some influences in his childhood with the people he was hanging out with, with his family, which I think comes from there being this noblesse oblige, with being this quality of a uh, gentry that they pass these... Uh, principles on to their uh, children and so forth. And yeah. to me, that's something that's lacking a lot today where we have these lead institutions, but they seem to be, again, full of a lot of brainwashing. And I don't think that kids are uh, stepping up to the plate as much as they would have back in the day. But that being said, I want to go to uh, Gio. Your thoughts in general when it comes to this idea of uh, who gets to rule as opposed to uh, who should rule as opposed to who is ruling now and ruling in what sense, in your opinion, should be the right kind of rule to get things back on track? Well, I don't know. That's It's complicated because I think the, the problem with Moldbug is that his analogy about Burning Man is that the people, the, the sort of like elite Silicon Valley hipsters that he has an, an allegiance to because that's what he grew up in, which is what I, I said on Twitter. It's almost weird how Moldbug became the, the number one figure in the dissident right when he shares nothing in common with the average right-wing person. He's, he's uh, well, keep, keep in mind, Gio, Napoleon well, was not born in France. He was born in Corsica. Corsica yeah, I think there, but... there's a lesson here, if you, well, if you catch my drift. There, there's a debate whether French people are like half Mediterranean at least. But anyways, um, I think the, the problem with Moldbug is that the people at Burning Man, they don't have the same... They have the ability to lead, to rule because they're given that by a variety of different structural pressures and nepotism and selection biases. 
they're not like fit to lead. Like this is the problem with Mobug is that he just sees power, worship it, roll over. I mean, I'm maybe I'm mischaracterizing it, but the problem is that he, the people at Burning Man they they also don't have that same aristocratic spirit, at least not in a much older sense. And Godward podcast in the chat said, let's talk about Moldbug. There's no specific group. It's decentralized. The reason that Moldbug is garbled in this is because he absolutely refuses to read French theory like Michel Foucault, for instance. He's a wait, wait, Gio, Gio, Gio. Context, context for all well, the new people. What exactly we're talking about here? We're talking, we're talking about, about the interview you did with Tucker Carlson. That's where he talks about how the head of this there's no head of the snake really america's like a system that perpetuates itself which is true but then he says well there's elites but they're not really elite. like it, it's confusing to people when he said that specific quote it's oh, well, true that well, a a adam adam did you see it i just want to make sure mm. did you see no um, I didn't. all right geo go for it then so uh just well, to uh yeah. well it's confusing because there is elites but there is sort of structures and discourses that have culminated into what we see as like whatever you want to call it the modern bugocracy the clown world whatever right <laughs> um it's not just like there's a group of elite although there is elites obviously there is you know cheese pizzas at the top that are doing demonic things but the, the problem like is fortifying when he, elections yeah well for exactly fortifying right they, they, they get together and they have a party and they yeah. uh right we have to be careful because of youtube yeah. um but <laughs> the, that article was amazing by the way i can't believe they did that like the absolute yeah. gall right but the problem yeah but but the problem with like moldbug is that he's still stuck in the same like anglo empiric empiricist tradition of viewing power as actors and agents and there's much more like nuanced and personal forces going on uh at least that's my criticism of it in terms of like what Adam was talking about. It's funny because today I was I was reading this thread by our good friend T. A. Jackson, who's been on the show, and he was mm, talking friendly about friendly whale. Yeah, and he was um, talking about the book *Lament for a Nation* by George Grant, and it's mostly applicable to Canada, but it's about Canada and America's relationship uh, back. And he, you know, he predicted a lot of what was happening or going to happen nowadays. And the one part he says about how America, despite what conservatives say in America, is that the current modern american project is linked to this sort of on one end technocracy and the development of quote-unquote progress through te technological innovation on the other hand like personal freedom is like the god of you know the modern like democracy and liberalism it's the absolute sort of instrumental reason and the omnipotence of humans to change reality as a, as we wish because we desire certain things and he predicted that this would crush communism, this would crush fascism. And he was right, because as soon as you sort of give people that outlet towards this very warped and distorted picture of human freedom, and then you link it to technological progress, it's over. It's like, what are you going to do, right? I mean, I don't want to be that black-pilled, but that's what he essentially says. It's like, how can you sort of put the brakes on it? You really can't. I mean, look at the failures of in both america especially canada right but it's just uh it's the machine it's the machine where we live in the belly of the beast that's dying that's bleeding to death but it's not dead yet mm. so that's the problem <laughs> i would love to get adam's response but before that michael any thoughts on what geo said and what adam said before uh yeah so um you guys are talking about china right and um actually the chart of uh china is pretty interesting as well 
um, there's going to be some some big stuff with China in, in the uh, coming years at the same time that uh, so uh, can I show you guys uh, what we see in China? Let me do that right now. Here we go. Now you can share and everybody who is watching this subscribe, subscribe and subscribe. Break the rules TV. We well, go. yeah, actually, let, let me guys let me run you through a couple of events because I was writing down some major his, uh, events throughout the U.S. history. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we've got the Civil War right here. So um, 1861. So um, essentially, when we want to predict something in astrology, we look for these outer planets and then we just look where it hits the inner planet. So this is like the chart of the U.S. And then we just overlay the time. Pretty simple, not doing anything fancy here. And you can see here, here's Uranus, says eight, and this is Uranus, says eight. So it's exactly, and it's 1861. So that's when, I think it was like 1861, 1865, you got the uh, the Civil War. And then if you, um, another one would interesting would be um, September 11th, obviously. Uh, so if you put that one in there, uh, 2001. And uh, this, so you see this planet Pluto right here, it says 12. The ascendant here is 12. So again, it's exact, you know, 9-11, right? And um, what, so what's interesting is if we look at China, um, so China essentially has like the same thing going on. Uh, so if we look at China, so if we look at the, the pandemic, remember, because uh, Lev always says how I uh, said about China and the U.S. in 2020. Um, yeah, Michael predicted this. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the reason I said oh, that um, was because, so this is China. And see this, this says 22 and this says 25. This thing says 22. So again, it's another exact thing. And essentially what the meaning of this is, it just means that something hidden will, will come to light. And, um, but see this five right here. Um, so if we look at uh, Pluto, which is the, that big planet that's going to basically tear up the U.S., um, and I'll get into that in a second. So you see this, it crosses over. It starts crossing over in like 2024-ish. So China seems to be going through something pretty heavy at the same time that the U.S. is going through something heavy. Um, and if we look at the U.S., so the, the thing I was going to point at is, so this is what a Pluto return looks like. Again, 27, 27. We're basically getting in there now. And this only happens every 248 years. And this is what we call the second house, and it has to do with money. And we know in the U.S. that money rules everything. So, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so so essentially, uh, it, it looks like something big will happen as it relates to money. Um, and if we look at, uh, you know, if we look at any of these these events that I wrote down, again, you'll see like these planets kind of um, pretty much exact. Um, so yeah. Well, going by uh, what you were talking about here, there was a uh, recent here. Let me uh, close this. There was a recent conversation that I think was had by this Australian minister. I don't remember who she is, but mm -hmm. uh, Adam, you remember she was talking about uh, using the word new world order. And yeah. one other person oh, yeah. I remember using that word again, unironically. I don't think they were trolling. I don't Herbert think Walker? they're. No, no, no. After him, it was oh. Lor It was uh, what's her name? Uh, Lightfoot, uh, who's the uh, mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> she was also unironically using the word, uh, the term New World Order. 
So when it comes to all of this stuff, uh, Adam, where do you see most of these, let's say, run-of-the-mill standard uh, uh, politicians today using these kind of terms? Like, do you see them as being true believers? Do you see them as maybe trolling people, you know, to uh, get their jollies on? Or uh, where, where do you, uh, where do you uh, factor them in? That's a, that's a, a subject, isn't it? Um, well, we saw, I mean, the Victorian premier just announced, I think yesterday or today, that like the whole vaccine passport thing is going to be directly connected to the the new world order. Like she she said this, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, like, you know, they're not even like, they're being more blatant and blatant about it. And it does feel like, like you mentioned how personal freedoms is very much a, uh, a pillar of like what makes America, America. And it's like, if they suddenly now control what we can do and where we can go, you know, that, that takes a lot of that personal freedom away. Now, who is behind the, the movement to, you know, if, if there is in fact a movement, I don't know if there is or isn't, mm. uh, it certainly does feel that way. Um, but again, but... I, I don't have proof. And I, I really like to be certain with uh, things when I you know speak of them. Uh, there, there's no real proof of this, but th- like, Gio said, it's like, I can't believe they actually that the gall they had to like put that article out that they fortified the election to stop Trump from winning. It's like that that's bonkers, you know, like that. But they're they're getting more and more blatant about uh, being open about controlling people. You know, this there there's already places like Australia is uh, I can't believe what's happening in Australia. It's absolutely insane. Well, that is definitely not a it's definitely not a good example to follow. But uh, what do you make, let's say, from the more reactionary side of Twitter that says that the only way out of this is for us to have a strong man that's going to come in here and set things right? They also see that as being an inevitability of the creature comforts accumulating while any resistance that people uh, would have otherwise had to a uh, potential technocracy is fading away that the only way that this could ever get better is if everything just crumbles down and then the men among the ruins start to rebuild it with some kind of a strong man at the helm i'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on that well what what do you think they mean by that like they need like are they are these people thinking like trump will be the answer kind of vibe or like uh let's uh let's bring this one to geo geo what do they mean Man among the ruins. <laughs> oh my god, you had to like put that. G- in there. Gooner among the ruins. Oh uh, or man among the gooners. Okay. No, I I think like, I don't know. That's a very small subset of that because I think most people recognize that the current conditions of America specifically that's almost like an impossibility. But essentially, I guess like Trump, I think, in terms of the dissident right, was viewed as like in some ways like even though he was a failure in a lot of ways like as a good move forward in terms of like opening the space up for more like um more like a more of a benevolent authoritarian politics that i don't i don't know though it's just but then but then again if the actual practice on the ground is that trump really had no power because there are people that were part of whatever you want to call it the deep state or whatnot that were making decisions behind his back. Like, for example, that one hideous bug man on Twitter recently that blew up, uh, Vindman, whatever, like basically defied orders, but he's a hero because 
he's some bureaucrat in the military that told Trump, you know, defy the basic order, right? So that's the problem. I think the the hope is that there's an age of like direct politics that in some ways is like alien, but in other ways not so alien to America. Because the conception that the founding fathers had and the way that they actually materially, I think this is Moldbug's point, and I will give it to Moldbug, is that the way they actually practiced power in those, you know, after the revolution period was very much similar to more of an authoritative source of an aristocratic or imperial sort of structure. So I think that's what people are talking about is that politics, the sort of like civility of like managerial liberalism, that's sort of going by the wayside on either the political left and the right. And then in the future, there will be more um, either pop, whatever you want to call it, populism or like certainly like the woke crowd will always have the sort of the neoliberal order on its back. And, but it's just a matter of, will things get so ridiculous that people will actually be like, hmm, maybe the idea of some type of an authoritarian figure, maybe that's a good thing that can, you know, actually drain the swamp in Minecraft, of course. But Well, I hope that there is not going to be this authoritarian figure for the reasons that I've already mentioned. And in Minecraft, Lev. In Minecraft. <laughs> and the people in who Roblox. Are new, and the people who are new here could check out all the past BTR episodes to know what I'm talking about in relation to this. But this is not about me. This is about the panel here. So going back to uh, going back to Adam. If you had some kind of a crystal ball and could foresee what exactly is going to be happening here regarding uh, direct politics, as Gio uh, talked about right now, do you see there being this trend of not like, let's say, a decentralized kind of uh, decentralized, uh, you know, localized rule by uh, some people who have influence, but this technocratic Xi Jinping like uh, move? in the yeah. next uh, years, either from the left or the right? I, I There's a few things I want to uh, touch on. Um, first is that, that feeling of these people saying, we want that one person to come and save them or whatever, you know, I'm kind of like paraphrasing, but it's like, that's the problem. You know, the founding fathers wanted uh, the people to have the power, right? And it's like, for that to happen, they have to participate in everything and that's not just voting you know it's these people just i was talking about entitlement earlier you know they're they are so entitled that they're instead of thinking i'm going to get into this to help make a difference they're going i want that one person to like come up and and fix it for me you know and like that attitude is why we're here now right it's you know now they're some authoritarian's going to come in and fix it? No. The people in power want the power and they're going to have power over you if you don't participate in the society that we have uh, been given by the, the, the giants that we're standing on, right? So here we are where people would rather have someone else come and save them from the situation they're in instead of standing up and starting to participate in local government. And it starts at a local level and we're kind of starting to see it because of um, the honestly, because of the pandemic, because of the pandemic. Right. People, parents had time to see what their kids were learning, learn about, you know, the Zoom calls and and well, like, what is this critical race theory? Like, you know, there's all sorts of different things like the guy in in Project Veritas just exposed for like turning their kids into 
revolutionaries, you know, against yeah. the U.S. government to, you know, to help bring them down. And it's like, this is the one thing that we've seen is people are waking up and it's great because we need people getting in and taking over and being a part of society instead of just worrying about their own little personal bubbles. So, but what was your question though? I, I just wanted to um, get that out. So my question is, even though that is a very encouraging uh, statement and something yeah. that I hope would happen, we're already seeing it. We recently had uh, Paul Rossi on with uh, Sticks, Hex, and Hammer 666, who I'm mm -hmm. sure everybody here is very familiar with. Yeah, and, Sticks uh, is great. Yeah, and uh, Paul was a teacher at a very prestigious elite school in Manhattan, math teacher yeah. who got fired for opposing critical race theory. He seems to be a little bit more on the doom and gloom side, not fully. He's not like a full-on black pill doomer. But yeah. at the same time, just uh, seeing the things that he has seen right now, he hopes for the best with uh, various organizations that are fighting against this. But he also realizes that there's only so much that you can do. My biggest concern, and this is kind of going to factor in like how we see as realistically as possible not what we hope will happen but yeah. what is the most likeliest thing to happen right now and what are let's say the hopeful scenarios that would be our plan b when it comes to getting ourselves out of this worst case scenario so there we go that's the wow. that's the curveball for you adam i mean goodness sakes <laughs> you know it's like it's like asking how do you solve the world's problems you know it's like life society we built is a freaking thousand different cogwheels moving together. And, you know, it's like, you can't fix one problem without fixing like a hundred different other problems that makes other things cause problems. But like, what is, what is the future? I mean, I, I don't know. I'll give, I'll to... give you this example. I'll give you this example. Tim sure. Dillon, who I'm a big uh, admirer of, he yeah. was talking about on his show how he thinks that uh, content creators, YouTubers, whatever you want to call what we do here, we have about five years left. And he says, make your money in the next five years because mm -hmm. things are going to start closing up. They're going to start ramping up in the totalitarianism. To me, that's not exactly something that I would, number one, take to heart. And number two, it's not something that I would say that, okay, let's say, for example, that does happen. It's not books closed. In fact, to me, that's actually a sign that the more this ramps up, the more there would start to be an opposition to it a state of uh, normal people people who are on the fence being absolutely fed up and yeah. then we would start to see certain changes so if i can let's say paint a clear picture of how i see the future and kind of get your thoughts on what strategies we can employ then is that let's say we do have this more of a creeping technocracy it gets into the schools it gets into you know despite the fight fights against it it gets into colleges it gets into regular jobs that people uh, that people have to such an extent that anybody who is curious is going to start to be excluded. It's only going to be for the uh, brainlets. It's only going to be for the people who are going to kowtow. And so I think that there must be something that's going to have to be done with all the people who can actually think. And that's where I would love to hear your thoughts on what is in this potential scenario going to happen to the people who can actually think. I think there's a lot more of us than they, they, uh, they think, 
you know, I think that there is a, a significant portion of the human population that wants to be free, that wants to have control over their own lives and wants to work for a living and have a true purpose that gives them meaning. And there is right now, it, it almost feels like this extreme, the extreme sides, you know, the two extreme sides are fighting and the majority of people, you know, in the bell curve of life, you know, where most people reside in that middle area that want to be free, they want the best for others. And I truly believe that. And I think that if these authoritarians, whoever they are, whatever, you know, uh, if they really try to ramp up and take people's freedoms away, um, my, the optimistic person that I am wants to believe that they will rise up, that they will, there's a lot more of us than there is of them. There is a sig, I mean, billions of humans on this planet, billions, right? How many of those billions of people are in control, right? How many? It's not billions, you know, it's not millions. It's, it's less than that, you know, 1% of the 1%, right? What, do you, what are they gonna do against billions of people that's try to that stop them, right? This may be where we disagree, and I respect your view. And again, mm -hmm. I really hope that you are right and that there are way more people than I may think. Personally, I'm more of a quality uh, versus quantity type okay. person when it comes to, like, like I said in the very beginning of the show, that yeah. I believe in a David versus Goliath scenario. I okay. believe that there's going to be a minority of people out there who have what it takes to like regardless of whether there's like a million people or a billion people that are opposed to whatever they do that mm -hmm. they would just be a lot more capable of and it's not even so much that other people would not want freedom if given the chance like if you say like would you rather i lock you up or i give you freedom obviously people would say yeah don't lock me up you know i want freedom but then those people are going to find that uh, they're going to have to work for a living. They're going to have to do certain things to get by. And my fear is that then when the prodigal son comes back and there's some kind of a Maduro-type dictator who would say, like, uh, I'm going to give you all of these free goodies, just vote for me, that they're going to say yes. Like, the thing that I think we're battling right now is idiocracy. It's there being too many people in the world who are stupid and too many people who will not that they want to be ruled, but they're too lazy to resist being ruled and they're just mm -hmm. going to go with the flow. And you're right that there is going to be a breaking point. I personally if uh, if it comes to that, but I personally think that that breaking point would be something that would be directed not by a strong man, because, again, I think that's the worst case scenario if we get some kind of a, you know, maniacal uh, totalitarian leader oh, to come in. Yes, oh. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Small oh, no, violin. my freedom. Small violin, yes. No, no, freedom is, no, Geo, freedom is very important, which is why I believe that there should be an elite. I believe that there should be a hierarchy. I don't believe in democracy. I believe that democracy is tyranny of the majority. But when it comes it to is. having... Yeah. And America isn't a democracy. It's a constitutional hmm. republic. Absolutely. Which is why I think that there's going to be few but very smart and very capable and most importantly very wise people that come out of the woodwork when things get really bad who would be able to put things together. At least that's, that, that's my hopeful ray of sunshine after the storm after the dark winter 
So what exactly did you disagree with me though? Because if I, I agreed with what you were saying, you know, you, so you're, you're saying that you don't believe that there's a, a majority of people that will, will finally stand up against um, when authoritarians finally crack the whip. I think that they would stand up only in the case that there would be a minority of people within that majority that would uh, kind of start ringing the bells. Without okay. those people ringing the bells, I don't really think much would happen. I think people will too easily start succumbing to creature comforts and to just going with the flow. I so think both of those things could happen. I feel, I, I think you are right. I, there, it is going to take people that are standing up. I, I'm And I feel like we're, you, your show, my show, other people's show, Savannah was on my show the other day, like people like us that are bringing together like minds to have civil conversations about what is going on and making more and more people aware of what is actually happening, um, that our freedoms are slowly being milked away, um, slowly but surely, so that these authoritarians can take over. You know, we're, we're sowing the seeds for those people that you're referring to, the, the Davids of the future that will rise up and, and help, um, you know, lead the, the idiots, <clears throat> right? I mean, no, no, I'm not saying they're idiots. That's you know, no, I, I know, I, I, that's the wrong yeah. word. Right? Not, not the idiots. More just the masses that you know go with the flow instead of, you know, that are just kind of like, whoa, all right, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's like a peer pressure. It's like you could have, let's say, more repressive societies out there where, yeah. let's say, they would, uh, you know, do horrible things to uh, gay people, you know, throw off the rooftop, all that stuff. And I'm sure yeah. that there would be people who are just there looking at it and seeing, okay, that's not great. Like, I, I wouldn't personally do that. But then what could they do? They don't want to be the hero. They don't want to be the person who would then be a martyr for, you know, they would rather just, uh, you know, stick around with their family, provide for their family. And I don't blame them. But it's yeah. like, to get to that point, that's something that we had in the USSR, where some people would just go along to get along, other people even more horrible, like uh, my mom's friend read certain forbidden books along with my mom. Her um, friend ended up being reported on by her own parents to wow. the KGB along with my mom. So just think about that level. That is like a whole next level of brainwashing that people experienced back in the USSR. And by no means do I think that the people today, especially with the incredibly low level of education we have, are not capable of going down that road. I am, though, like to to be contrary to what I said before, I do see these populist movements rising up, and that's great. But even I say in like, let's let's take a little bit of um, let's take a little bit of a detour away from politics for a second and talk aesthetics and art and even uh, spirituality. So when I take a look even like somebody like Trump and I see the gaudiness of uh, his apartment, you know, in the penthouse of his uh, building, when mm -hmm. I just see the reality television swill that people have eaten for a long time here in the United States. And we're talking about like the Kardashians and all that stuff. And then I go around New York City. I look at all these beautiful buildings that's made with sacred geometry, you know, like all the moldings, all the neoclassical stuff. And so I look at those two things and like, I don't know what you personally feel when you would compare those things or if you've ever thought about comparing those two things together. But for me, that is 
if not an intellectual decline, an aesthetic and the spiritual decline. And I'm curious, uh, Adam, if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, I lived in New York for a long time in my adult life, and I, I've seen those beautiful, um, the beautiful decline of art. I mean, there was um, someone posted recently, there was, they posted three pictures of classic art, and it was like art that was appreciated before World War II. And then art that was appreciated after World War II. And it was just kind of like a bunch of boxes and like abstract shapes and stuff. And it feels like there is absolutely a decline of, of art. And I mean, even architecture, you know, I've spent a lot of, of my adult life in, in Europe as well, you know, so I've seen these beautiful, incredible churches and buildings that are hundreds and hundreds of years old some of them thousands, you know, and you could see what people appreciated back in the day. And like, we don't, and it goes back to that conversation about, um, you know, what people appreciate in their own lives. And it's like, we are taught to care about ourselves. We're not, we're not taught to worry about the future generations, you know, five generations from now, like no one cares. I was watching a, a show about building houses, like cool how grand designs that some something along those lines and it was this couple in england that was building this house on the edge of a cliff that in 60 years would fall into the the river or the water the ocean and they were like yeah we don't care because we're gonna we're not gonna be here and it's like that is the attitude that a lot of humans have why why should i care i'm gonna be dead you know because we're taught to like only care about our own lives now and that is a huge reason we're here. Like, what's it going to matter? You know, I look at Nancy Pelosi, woman's 80, you know, and she's a nightmare. And I don't think yeah. she cares at all what happens in the future. She, she was kind of a, a cutie back in the day. If you saw that picture of her and JFK, you know what years I'm talking ago. about? <laughs> I don't know that picture. And that is, I've never thought I'd hear the term Nancy Pelosi <laughs> and cutie in the same picture or uh, other Hold than on. maybe watching some Netflix uh, throw, throw it up, love. Come on. Here, here you, you gotta, go. You can't call oh, it. No, no. I was, of course, of course, mm -hmm. I was going to throw it up. What do you think? Here we go. Yeah, she's all right. Uh, Adam, thoughts? I, I see her eyes, man. She's the evil one. <laughs> I, she, oh, no. Yeah, I, but I just, Adam, don't you think that uh, architecture being beautiful, that's fascism, according to uh, Susan Sontag. So that's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> beauty is fascism, guys. Yeah, it's um, uh oh, take the picture away. Come on, uh, <laughs> get oh, out of here. Wait, wait, She's staring into my soul. <laughs> I'm gonna replace it. I'm gonna replace it with I a think... different picture. Wait, hold on, Gio. Oh, before, sorry. Be, before, because uh, I know you got a lot to say on the subject, I wanted to compare these two things here. As an so, artist myself. I, yeah, so I wrote as above, so below. So here we have. Uh, I think this is like a, a palette. I think this is Versailles. I'm not exactly sure, but this uh, yeah. this uh, painting over here, if you can see on the screen, you that's have the, the Grand people. Hall. Yeah. Yeah, the Grand Hall, you have the people, and then you have the uh, columns, and then you have the uh, dome on top. And yeah. then to compare it, you see I have over here this nice field of flowers and trees. And yeah. so I see that the flowers <laughs> are like the people, wherein the people, look at the way they're dressed even. Their legs are like the stems. They're, um, they're like uh, shirts, you know, bonnets or whatever are like mm -hmm. the flowers. And so are the heads. You could even say like the system of chakras that we have. 
uh, that those chakras, they're flowers. And the crown chakra, that's like the crowning flower at the top of our heads, which connects us to the divine. And then the trees are kind of like these columns that support this dome, you know, the atmosphere, this dome of heaven, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. I keep seeing these patterns that uh, I think in the uh, classical world was uh, something that people just kind of had an inkling of like when they constructed these things. I don't even think they were fully aware of what they were doing, yet they were in a way replicating sac sacred geometry within their own landscape, within uh, their own society, which I think does something to the human spirit. And I'm curious if uh, you would agree, disagree, uh, any, any thoughts there? And then I'm going to go to Gio. Well, my mind instantly goes to how do we, how do we instill that into humans again right how do we how do we bring that kind of um energy back into our art uh, into our architecture i mean there's a lot of architecture but it's like it's weird now you know like i love the green buildings where they're integrating life and forestry into skyscrapers where it's foresty and you know they have like eco yeah i love that and i, I think it's trying to reblend nature and and architecture again, which is which is great. I think it's a good move um, forward, but it doesn't change the fact that we have lost a lot of that desire to uh, be presentable and have everything we do be the best it can be. Right? I mean, and I'm kind of generalizing a little bit right now, but. I feel like it can be applied with most things that we do. Like when I do my show, uh, you know, I really can only talk about my own personal experiences, but like when I do my show, like I didn't do my hair. I had long, really long hair till very recently. I cut my hair. Same here. And I would just yeah, throw it back can. and it'd be disheveled. It'd be like, and I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't think about how much it affected what I looked like. Right. And I recently cut my hair and I looked myself in the mirror and I felt like I was a completely different person. And I am in a different place now than I was a year ago. And, you know, that's, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but me presenting myself and like, now I do my hair, I put a little gel in my hair now. And I like, I feel like I'm, I'm putting a little effort into it. And just that little bit of effort, I feel makes such a big difference for the way that I present myself, the way that I am um, on I'm, I'm on stage every night, Monday through Friday, essentially, you know, standing in front of the internet. And I feel like it helps me be a better person in, in a sense, but I didn't care. I, I feel like I never really cared. Even when I modeled, when it was my profession, I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't show up to my castings looking the best I could be. Cause I just didn't really, it didn't, I, you know, I'm, I just didn't care as much as I probably should have. I could have probably done better, but I didn't, I didn't think about it. And now I'm doing something for me. I'm on stage for me now. And I'm like, there is an, it's so much better when I care about the way I present myself. And th that picture you showed us of all those human beings that were basically flowers, that, that doesn't happen anymore. People don't really care what other people think. And not that that's a bad thing. Cause like it, there's a balance, I guess. Right. I mean, uh, there, you know, you, you can not care what people think, but still want to project yourself as like the best you can be. And that's more for you, really. Um, and I'm doing that for me. And well, there's comfort. That's the other thing. We see people walking around like a lot of ladies walk around in the yoga pants. I'm not sure if having that tight 
of an enclosure is comfortable. I guess it is. I don't know. I'm not a woman. Yeah. I don't really know what that's what that's like. But right. uh, it's still something that strikes me as, you know, you're not really putting on a dress, which I feel would be much more comfortable. But anyway, you're not putting on a dress. You're not putting on some frilly things that make you look like a human flower of sacred geometry. You're right. just kind of like putting on whatever. And I noticed like the one neighborhood that's around like right now I live in Brooklyn and the one neighborhood that I would say is very much still following the guise of uh, early 20th century styles would be the uh, Jewish neighborhood. Not the Hasidic neighborhood, but the okay. Jewish neighborhood of like the, uh, what do you call it, like conservative, kind of like Ben Shapiro-ish uh, Jewish people, where when they walk around, you yeah. see them all dressed up in their, you know, uh, nice suit and tie. The women are dressed like Geo. This is like your trad fantasy come to life. Oh, the way that oh, the way that the women dress in those neighborhoods. Oh my God! No, but that's killing because, me here. But mm. I think it is because you're destroying they... my credibility online with uh, <laughs> esoteric racists on Twitter. <laughs> I, I think it is because they're able to connect to something higher. I've had guests. Their... We've had guests refuse love because of never mind. Never, never mind. I don't. I, and I don't care about them if they refuse because this is an open forum for whoever as long as they can respect uh you know other uh, people's thoughts but anyway when it comes to this uh idea of wanting to go for something greater than yourself it's almost like we're at a crossroads where if you look at the archaic greeks or if you look at older societies if we take this idea as fact that they had not so much of an idea of themselves as a separate ego being, but saw themselves as being part of a greater whole, kind of like not even having as much self-awareness of them being, you know, me, Lev, or me, Adam, or Michael and Geo. It's almost like there may be a development over time of the individual growing out of the collective where they are going to have to take on more of a responsibility as opposed to having certain things be done for them, as opposed to these are the rules, these are, these are the traditions, they were given to us from God and we should respect them, and if you cross these rules, then you're going to go to hell. Or, you know, like, once we take those traps away, it's almost like we're giving people more, uh, more responsibility but also we're giving them more of a chance to screw up. It's almost like <laughs> we think of ourselves as being like these little kids right now. And for the most part, we are. I think there is way more of a uh, delayed development. But at the same time, Agreed. we have we haven't been given this much freedom ever. So yeah. it's a very interesting ever. time to see like, yeah, like what are we going to do now? Because I think that same thing with the Internet. We have the ability to gain so much information from all the Internet. of it. Yes, all of it. Like think of anybody in the, uh, you know, 200, 200 years years ago they would have died if they found out oh my god you mean that i can get the information about like all these philosophers all of these sciences anything i want at my fingertips it's yep. like yet you people are playing candy crush saga on the subway <laughs> what the fuck right what the fuck so how do we how do we how do we bridge that how do we so you said we're you know we're in that this crossroads and you know how can we balance the the individual with the societal uh, group, you know, like before that it was all about building together and, you know, you, you're really a nobody that, you know, you can only think you do is be a bee in the, in the network of, of buzzing, you know, where now it's like you, everyone's an individual. Everyone has the, the ability to be the person, um, you're the individual person. So how do we maintain that, 
individualism while also bringing back the, the desire in people to help others just innately as a, as a societal norm. Cause I don't think that's a thing anymore. What is this? Okay. So this is the temple of Luxor. And this is something that I got from this uh, wonderful documentary, a favorite of Joe Rogan's called magical Egypt. Uh, uh, it was, uh, I'm, I'm, by, uh, I'm very, very intrigued because I love Egypt. So you could see over here these various chambers. Oh, oh was this the John Anthony West? Yes, John yeah. Anthony West, exactly. So these chambers, they correspond to the different parts of the uh, human uh, human body. You could even, I think that they were talking about how the third eye was yep. also discussed there. And yep, the pineal me, gland. Yeah, the pineal gland, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's this recognition that there was a large-scale project back in the day, multi-generational project, to get these things in order for a greater purpose. But at the same time, Adam, what I personally think, I could be 100% wrong about this, but I personally think that most of the people who were doing this had no fucking idea what they were doing. Like the people who were building the bricks, who were laying all this stuff down, I think that there were blueprints, there were orders that were given to them, but the priest class was separate from the worker class, and this was knowledge that was passed down all the way mm. from, if you believe in Atlantis, it was passed down from Atlantis. It was passed down from the antediluvian times when we were much more aware of certain things than we are today. I think it's much more easier to devolve than to evolve, at uh, least if we're talking okay. about intellectually speaking. Okay, yes. I love the direction where we're now headed. Um, I disagree a little bit because okay. um, they have found lots of... Uh, burial grave sites outside of the pyramids to basically um, prove that they weren't built by slaves, that they were built by actual builders that were honored to work on different projects in Egypt. Um, going back to a couple different, I, I've, I love Egypt. I, I've done a lot of uh, research on, on Egypt. So you can tell that it's not, the people that built these things were knowledgeable. They, they themselves had some sort of a um, awareness of what they were building and were proud of it and were revered in the society. So I think that it might have been some sort of a combination of what you were saying. It, like, I agree with you. It is absolutely easier to devolve than evolve. Like we as a society are so entitled that we think that we are the greatest uh, human uh, humans have ever achieved. And I don't know if I agree with that because I don't really know what I know about Atlantis, but I do feel like there's like, I, I love Tesla. I, I did my, he was my first deep dive and he was also obsessed with Egypt, you know, obsessed with the pyramids and trying to yeah. understand how they were. Well, they, they all were Alexander the great Napoleon, uh, yep. you know, for good reason. Yeah. Because they, Plato. there is like, what are they? What they're definitely not tombs. Like that is absolutely bonkers. Um, I think that they were some sort of energy system that we don't understand yet. I mean, it basically used the Tularic current. That's what Tesla figured out. That's what his whole um, Warcliffe tower was, is to basically siphon off of the, um, the Tularic current and send it out for free energy. And which is amazing. If we could, if we could harness that, and if you really go a, like a step further back, Earth is a giant battery. If we can understand magnetic energy, which is essentially what gravity is. It's like Tesla was almost on the verge of manipulating gravity. Had he been given the, the, the power to continue his research instead of being shunned and pushed into a corner, which is really 
I think, devastating for the human race. But uh, I just don't know if we see this is going to be a controversial take. I don't know if we're at the level where we would deserve to have the kind of responsibility of this kind of technology. And I'll tell you why. I, I agree. Because, well, like, I don't know if you would agree with this. I think that when it comes to utilizing something that gives you a lot of energy, you mm -hmm. can use that energy for good you can also use that energy to annihilate an entire country with, uh, you know, something very simple. So that's like, the, given our level of education here and given just how yeah. many people there are and how unaccountable our elites are, not to even talk about, uh, you know, like most people that are out there, it's a very dangerous thing to be able to have this kind of energy and this kind of knowledge, which Agreed. may be why the priest class in any civilization in any mystery school, like why do they keep it a mystery? You know, like mm -hmm. it may be that knowledge is something that is both beneficial and dangerous and that there may be other planets out there that let's say have had much more of a trust in their community to be able to wield a lot of this uh, responsibility while here it's like i don't exactly trust the people that we currently have at the level that we're currently at to uh to wield it i don't know what's there to disagree with <laughs> <laughs> yeah well no not everything has to i'll be, tell uh, you why we're not worthy love did you see that news article from uh what's that popular twitter um that everyone follows Breaking news or whatever. Um, Breaking nine nine one one. That one. No, it wasn't that one. It was the other one. Info info something. Hmm. Um, did you see that they're taking? Um, there was that time capsule at the base of Robert E. Lee's statue. Yeah. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw call, that, right? You know what I call it? I call it the safe space capsule. Yeah. There, I I shit you not. They're going to replace it with the um ghanian like conti cloth the one that nancy pelosi was oh my have gosh, you have that picture seriously. nancy pelosi we've had more nancy pelosi in the stream than any other so uh they're gonna do that um a vial of expired uh fauci ouchi just for youtube and of course a um imperial american global american empire flag the uh, lgbt flag pin of <laughs> that's what they're this is like i said on twitter they're like smashing the old religious symbols the, the new empire the new regime is replacing it with new religious symbols like literally a stone toss comic or a sam hyde <laughs> million dollar extreme skit but adam are you a fan of a uh, million dollar extreme were you at the time i don't know what that is no oh my god we should definitely do a stream with you and Charles Carroll. That would be amazing. But uh, here is the uh, here is what uh, you were. Oh talking my God! About. They have the actual picture. Oh, oh my yes. God! What is that Black Lives Matter poster? Yeah. Oh my! Might as well just put a dildo in there. Might as well put a. The, oh my God! Wow. What what else? What other items is there? There's the. Um, there's a George what? Floyd 2020 a National Geographic cover. Of course, of course. There is, uh, I'm not sure who these people are over here. There's a photo with, uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, I don't really, Stop Asian Hate. That one's in there, too. I wonder statistically wow. who is doing more of the Asian hate, but that's besides the point. That's, you know. Well, when it comes to this time capsule, I think this is a product of the time. And we've had a lot of different uh, fads that uh, came and went. 
I mean, maybe we are going to get struck by a meteor or something to kind of like shake the Etch-A-Sketch board up again. But there are like, uh, there are things that I'm also fascinated by the idea of there being a breakaway civilization. Like, I don't know, Adam, if you've heard about, and again, this is like going way in the weeds, but I figure if we already started, why the hell not? So <laughs> yeah, we're out there. Ever, yeah. Have you ever <laughs> heard of Operation High Jump? No, actually, yeah, it sounds familiar. I don't know what it is, though. So Operation High Jump was allegedly this uh, operation where uh, this high-ranking um, Admiral Byrd went on an exploratory expedition into Antarctica. Antarctica, yeah, yeah, okay. Yes. And supposedly there, there was a fight between him and uh, those who escaped from the uh, Third Reich and were utilizing these UFOs that uh, even back then and some years afterwards, if we're talking about like the Battle of Los Angeles, where, you know, we have pictures from there and we have multiple reports talking about how there were these UFOs that were being fired upon and there was only like friendly fire that ended up resulting in certain deaths there. But uh, after that, there was also the Foo Fighters, which flew around, uh, I believe it was the, um, uh, the White House in the, uh, I think it was around Truman's or later Eisenhower's time. But either way, we've had all these different reports talking about these crafts that can go into the ocean, that can go out, that can just like, you know, improbably move around. And we've yeah. recently, like for the past uh, couple of years, we've kind of had a resurgence with that recent Navy video that ended up coming out of similar things. And it's like, this isn't anything new. People were talking about these same aircraft, these same techniques for a long time. So some people look at this as being not some little green men BS, but it actually being the result of uh, human beings maybe partly human beings who were involved in world war ii i mean this is it's way it goes way into the weeds as far as what kind of conclusions can we even make from even beginning to assume something like that because something like that would make you look at history in a completely different way and i'm curious like when it comes to using occam's razor how much for yourself adam would be enough to put yourself in the position of not just kind of like be because I'm on the fence. I'll be on with all this stuff. It's fun to think about, you know, it's mm -hmm. romantic to think about, but like, what do you need to be much more confident in the way that history worked? Oh, man. What a, what a question. Um, well, with, with like these spacecrafts, alien spacecrafts or human spacecrafts, whatever they could be, or yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, my goodness. I would need a um, much clearer picture. <laughs> it's 2020, 2021. Like, why are we, why is it still this weird, fuzzy, grainy um, BS picture? Like why the military is using like grainy, you know, tra picture tracking software. Like, I'm sorry, bullshit. Like they, they've got to have significantly crisper video of these things. Like what we get is it, it feels like breadcrumbs to keep us asking these questions um, when you know they have better pictures of whatever that was like why you know why aren't we seeing it and it I'm more inclined to believe that it is in fact some sort of um, secret military project that they don't want the world to know about it that it's easier for them to think let us think that it's aliens or some sort of extraterrestrial object because it gets people like jazz about it and whatever and when in reality it's like actually they figured out how to um a new engine system that isn't 
using propellants or, or something along those lines. I mean, wouldn't that be incredible? Mm. But you mentioned it earlier though. It's like power, like energy, right. Is, is power. Like having the ability to harness a lot of energy is, is really where the power lies. I mean, all the think about who has the most money on this planet. It's, it's the people that control the power, the energy, the, uh, the gas, the, monetary um, value of all that stuff that pushes yeah. everything. Um, if they had some sort of technology that they were able to fly um, anything, like why would they want anyone to know about it? They wouldn't, they would want to keep it to themselves because as you said, knowledge is power. So they, the, the priests of the, of the net nowadays, like who are those people? Like who we don't know. You know, they, we have no idea who those people are. I don't know. Probably none of us have know their names just as well, they would so probably as a, want. as a thought experiment, as this assumption that again, the only reason why, I'm, and I do have to read the actual South American article, if I'm able to find it from this Argentinian magazine, where supposedly Admiral Byrd gave an interview talking about what he saw, mm -hmm. that, uh, that assumption would then mean that these are actually, you know, not secret American projects but that they are actually uh, Nazi projects. And that okay. is a whole different twist on how exactly we observe reality. But then you add well, to that Well, Georgiani like believes a... that um, they, the Nazis... Never mind. Okay. No, no, well, that, may be, that may be too much. But uh, one, one last thing I would say is that there is... Well, Nazis remember... are cringe nowadays, Lev. Come on. Well, They're no, cr of course. Because normies are... believe in them now. They're cringe. It's all... Well, so, literally well, actually, every, everyone's a Nazi yeah. now if you don't follow their narrative so well, yeah. so we're, we're no gonna no go the to, ufos gonna... i mean they're cringe sorry mm -hmm. well we're gonna go to Hermes super chats, uh, <laughs> we're gonna go to super chat soon but before that did, have you uh, read this article about this uh, israeli uh, chief uh, space uh, scientist guy who's like in yeah. his late 80s and he was talking about how there's this galactic federation out there and how we are human just like we said before you know it's interesting how the same theme gets you know comes up <laughs> we are not ready we don't even know what spaces and right. that seems to be the uh, consensus that there are these uh, extraterrestrial beings out there but again just to shift the way that you guys who are listening to the show right now watching us how you think of aliens just as a thought experiment try to think of them more looking like us like human beings because i think right. like the human form is a good one to explore reality with if uh if you catch my drift you know what i mean just like uh we're not on all fours we're not just looking like you know like the deer uh you know in the um and all these uh different sides you know we have a fixed gaze but we can move our heads around to adjust it we have a very good way of exploring reality that i and think a large brain yeah large brain and i and I analyze think, like, it and with certain uh, additions, certain extrasensory abilities that we may have had in the past, like, again, I'm leaning on us having had certain abilities and losing them as opposed to slowly gaining them over time out of nothing. You know, I believe that chakras, kundalini, the third eye, all this stuff is a birthright of the human being. And when I say human being, I mean any 
embodied being that can carry themselves the way we do throughout the entire universe. You know what I mean? That seems to be something that connects us to the higher spirit. And so whether there are like Nazis out there that are working, wouldn't that be funny, by the way? Just think about that for a second. Like the sons and grandsons uh, and granddaughters of uh, like the Nazi party people working together with the uh, Israeli space people. You know what I mean? Like that is, and the Americans. I mean, they've already... Well, not as far out there if you consider Operation Paperclip. You know, we've had the German scientists who uh, were here in NASA, you know, so it's like these things, you know, they may have an ability to happen. My one hope, though, is that if that did happen, that uh, there would be a lot of regret for all the horrible things that their grandparents have done and all that. Like, I do hope that when people are at that level... Well, well, we're calling to question the state of Israel, Lev, obviously. That would... uh... Well, yeah, 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 yeah. We're not going to... We went ahead of ourselves about the beauty thing that we didn't... Well let's, cover the be- well, let's cover the beauty thing, and then we are going to go to Super Chats. So, guys, sneed us your Super Chats right now, and we are going to go through the Super Chats. And again, I think Adam's audience is one of the best audiences that we have ever had here on BTR, and I am highly appreciative of you being here. Please subscribe, like, share this video, and also become a part of our Discord server. I'm going to send the link to the Discord server right now, so be a part of that. Anyway, Gio, go for it. Yeah, sir, my cat Benito was behind me, but now he's... He's here with me. So, um, no, about the public buildings, I think even like Tucker had that speech. I I think like me personally, like I can find the merits in certain things like brutalism, but I think nowadays we're just, um, even like the beginning of like modern urbanism with Gropius, it had like a spiritual idea at its root, like these shining cities. But I think nowadays when it comes to either like purposeful abstraction of, it's this weird like mix of like uh, minimalism and like the Swedish uh, aesthetic model and like, you know, just very alienating conceptual designs that in a way is like almost an aesthetic, uh, an act of like aesthetic, like subversion or terrorism. But I think that it's not simple to just say, well, let's go back to like, you know, um, Rococo or Baroque buildings because those civilizations that produced what we consider as fine art and fine architecture, they had a spiritual impulse to them that don't really make sense through a like modern materialist lens. And th- this ironically enough is kind of like why um, a lot of like Marxist theory falls apart when you analyze things like the base and the superstructure, like the base being material conditions, right? How are you going to explain Titian or, um, even like Botticelli or let's see a great architect, like even like Frank Lloyd Wright, how are you going to explain that through like material conditions, right? I mean, maybe in some abstract way, but in terms of the spiritual heart of a civilization, that's the problem before we can say, well, let's make our buildings beautiful again. That's like, the aesthetic is like a barometer to point to the heart of any given society. And so we're sort of putting the cart before the horse by saying that, why can't we just legislate away like what Trump wanted to do, which was a noble endeavor, which is we can promote like classical architecture, but that's just, that's just a bandaid because the people that uh, have created the conditions for this like modern gaudy, disgusting, like non-place society, that's the problem. Not like just merely the representation. The aesthetics mean nothing if they don't have 
the sort of metaphysics behind them and vice versa. The metaphysics don't make sense without the aesthetics. So that's my spiel. And also I want, before, after super chess, I wanted to ask Michael Scotto specifically about astrology, but we'll, we'll hold that. I, right. I, if you're, if you're pressed for time, Adam, uh, that's yeah. 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 I got, I actually have a guest tonight. Um, mm. so I, I do have to be leaving in about uh, 25 minutes if that's yeah. cool, but excellent so let us go into super chats right now so we have robert wiles 499 have a blessed day and blessed life doing what you love adam and everyone there oh, i appreciate that robert uh mm -hmm. then we have over here etienne marx that's an interesting name etienne is that french uh yeah. who donated 15 squiggly line is this uh fake money what is this exactly <laughs> let me take a look at that uh oh you know this is shekels I think this is the first time, Geo. This is the first oh time we got God. shackles. <laughs> nice. uh, break the rules, stream. <laughs> I'm I knew to be you here for that. Loves Sean, by the way, handler came for all for all my fellow Jews out there. Ulshana Tova, Happy New Year. So there we go, and uh, here we go. And by the way, uh, let's see what else we have over here. Uh, let's see. We also have, let's say, uh, Hopper, uh, who, uh, wrote something and Nico, both of you guys, I love you, but you could go, you could go fuck yourselves, but I love you anyway, over here, <laughs> what do you mean? we have, love. Etienne no, I Marks, support Hopper and Nico, That's Etienne so Marks of 15 shekels who says, I'm a genius. I coined a great new term for the stuff they're injecting into us for the coof, the wokey pokey. Okay. <laughs> I thought the Fauci Ochi was pretty good, but that's here we go. Next uh. next we have a uh, minion TM sixty nine. Oh god, the imagery <laughs> oh, that no. the imagery that uh, creates in my head. This is the burden of having an active imagination. Like all these things that just come at you. Although would it really work? It would look like two two pills that would be, you know, like one on top I'm of I'm pretty it. sure some <laughs> some boomer has like shared an edit of like Minions and bondage here. I'm pretty sure that's happened. So $5 to Super Chat. The Great Reset is here. We need to wake up and stand against it. We are out of time. So there we go. I, I would appreciate the Great the great Reset more if uh, they came out with like a Hugo Boss aesthetic line that Klaus Schwab wears. I think he does have a spiffy... Uh, evil um, villain uh, outfit. So you will I will be comfortable, and you will be happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. So you had a question for Michael. Oh yeah. Um. No, it, it's funny because like the the Max Durant stream, we touched a little bit on astrology, and I wonder, have you ever read um Carl Jung's analysis of like he was trying to like figure out the origins of astrology in different civilizations. And he th had this like weird kind of convoluted theory where like astrology isn't um, specifically an objective force in the universe, but rather each civilization had to find a way to interpret the collective unconscious. And therefore astrology was like this like divination that can only work in certain civilizations and not others. So what do you think of like the, have you, have you ever read this, I forget which book it comes from. Well, the the good news is we don't need to go to the past to see um, how astrology might work. We can look towards the future. So I've been doing a, a, a lot of deep dive into physics, and physics is getting starting to get really, really weird. Um, mm. For example, um, one leading physicist at Princeton said that space-time is doomed as a concept, as in it doesn't exist. Um, mm. 
So essentially my overall theory on astrology is that there's some kind of fundamental force in which consciousness is unioned with the physical universe. Um, and Jung talked a lot about this. He called this the unus mundus, which is yes. like you have the world of the psyche and you have the physical world and we live in like the, the cross section of both. So that's how he yeah. explained synchronicity, which he called the a causal connecting principle. Um, so I think when it comes to cultures, it's, you know, it's, it's, they're kind of saying, um, they're kind of expressing their unit of reality, which I say is like that union of the subjective and the objective, like from where they're standing, right? So one of the things that I'm excited about in our lifetime, at some point, someone's going to be born on Mars, right? So mm. we have to apply that same principle when someone's born on Mars, like what does the universe look like from where they're standing when they're born on Mars? I wonder, will there be ghosts of Mars? Oh. Mm. Well, supposedly Mars was once inhabited by human beings too, so who who knows? Like that would be a different a warrior race lab that submerged their souls into a chamber, and it took um, what's his name, Ice Ice Cube, to go up. There. <laughs> I'm referring to the John Carpenter movie. Mm. And we have a we have a quote here from Jacob Castro, uh, you know, a grandson of Fidel Castro, uh, Carl Jung, Frank Lloyd Wright. I may have found a new home. Hope you enjoy Calvin and Hobbes and Pink Floyd. Uh, now, so you could probably write something about how Frank Lloyd. Well, because Frank Lloyd Wright was heavily inspired by Taoism in, in terms of his well, in like feng shui in terms of his design sensibility. And he like predates the hippies in terms of an artist that took inspiration from the quote unquote East. I mean, that term itself is like, you know, exotic or whatever, but, but well, Adam, what do you think of astrology? I, I was never bought onto it till Michael read my, uh, yeah. my charts. And Michael is a master. <laughs> Michael is a master astrologist. If any of you guys who are listening to this want to get an astrological reading from Michael, uh, please contact him and his email, scottomj at uh, gmail.com. But, uh, but yeah. What do I think about astrology? I mean, I, uh, my wife did a, a lot of digging into it and was like really, you know, delved in and we talked a lot about it. And I, I've actually had someone else read my chart on a different stream. Um, I don't know if you know who Carlin Borisenko is. I, I joined her on her show and someone had my details and, you know, it's, it's interesting how it relates to it. And, and I like, we're water, right? I'm, I'm, I'll bring, I'll make it make sense of why I bring that up because we're over 70% water and you think about just the moon, right? And the tides, right? What the moon does with the water on the earth, it literally pulls the entire oceans around and manipulates everything. And there's a, the term lunatic is when the, when it's a full moon, people tend to be a little crazy, a little, little cuckoo because we are being pulled and manipulated by the moon. And, and that's, energy from an you know exter you know an external force so the the so that chart that he was he was showing you know it shows where all of the different planets are aligned when you're born and where you're born and i i believe it i think there is some imprint um i actually came up with this on my own called a soul a soul sphere when everyone's born um, it's, it's, it's a perfect circle or a perfect, perfect, uh, sphere. Right. But that imprint it, you get, it, there's like a, a, almost like a tattoo on it and that's your astrology print. And then as you grow up in life, different things affect you in different ways and start changing the way, you know, it might be dented here, it might grow in other places. And then 
we all become such strong individuals throughout our lives because everyone has, every single human being has a different life, has a different experience, has different interactions with other spheres and other things that are going on. But, you know, because we're water beings, it, it makes sense to me that the, the dynamic of, of where we're born, when we pop out of the womb, suddenly there's like, we're separated and we're now on our own from, you know, we're being carried to then boom, suddenly we're like, you know, on this planet, um, it, there, it, 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 I don't know, I, I get it. I, I think there is some truth to it and that people are trying to write it off as some sort of mumbo jumbo, but I don't think that that's, I think that's denying something very obvious to me where we are affected by gravity. Like just look at the way the moon affects us. It, it, if you deny that, then it's like, well, then how can you deny that? You know, we are affected by the moon. The moon affects the water. We are water, right? So if you just take a step back and look at the bigger picture, and that's essentially what astrology is to me. So I, I believe it. I think there's a lot of truth to it. And Michael, would you like to add anything to that as well, as far as your experience of uh, astrology and how you see it playing a role in the uh, greater picture of existence? Yeah. So, you know, my, my regular job is in the software engineer. Um, um, I try to be as objective as possible to the point people accuse me of having uh, slight autism. So, um, but, um, you know, behind me is 250 books. Most of them are not astrology, um, physics, biology, et cetera. Um, and when I read someone's chart, I don't need to get philosophical with them. My goal, I guess, uh, would be on, on scale, would just be like, let me read your chart. If it's wrong, then don't worry about it. Have a nice day. And if it's right, then, you know, let's see what's there. Like that we don't have to, like we just look at what's there. Is, does it say something meaningful or does it not? And uh, most of the time uh, it, it says things that are meaningful. So, right. but it's how all do the you interpretation? It's the interpretation of what someone like you will see in their chart because the chart will exist for everyone mm -hmm. where the planets are, are aligned and you might see something that will connect to them and will be like, wow, that really does affect me. Or you might not, um, they might not see any sort of connection to where they are at that moment in their life to what you're seeing in their chart. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. Um, I think like, so reading my own chart is obviously the easiest because I know what I'm thinking and feeling and I'm like, did something meaningful happen or not? Sometimes when you read like celebrities and stuff, you don't know what's going on in their heads. You're just reading from a distance. Um, so yeah, there's definitely that. And I, I think the, the easiest way to kind of engage people with astrology is to go for like the super major aspects, like the ones I showed with the US where it's like, okay, Uranus is exactly returning, which only happens every 84 years. And look, there's a civil war. So it's like minimum amount of interpretation. And I think that's kind of the path forward for astrology, try to minimize the interpretation. But once you're like convinced, okay, this stuff works, then you could be more open-minded and be like, oh, like, hmm, I wonder what this means and, and kind of get into the, the philosophy behind it. But do you think that there is some kind of a framework in the universe, kind of like a clock mechanism of fate? Like, how would you describe it? And do you believe in fate or do you believe that we have enough of a free will to work against fate and to kind of chart our own course? Yeah. And so, this, is, and this yeah. is also for everybody as well. But Michael, you start. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I said, modern physics is 
like I said, space time is doomed. You can Google that. Um, everything is, all the physics seems to be going towards the immaterial basis of the universe. Um, uh, in talking about quantum consciousness and things like that. So, so we don't know what consciousness is. We don't know what the universe is. And I think it's, it's moving in the direction of an immaterial basis. And I think that's where we'll find like how something like astrology and by the way, tarot and all these other metaphysical things could make sense. It'll take some time to get there. Um, but that, that's, that's kind of where I would put myself there. Excellent. And then Geo and then Adam, as well as then for uh, final thoughts before uh, we conclude on uh, what exactly you see happening uh, in not the whole political sphere, but just in the sphere of the kind of content creation that you do, that we do, like where exactly you see things going. But first, uh, Geo on astrology and then Adam on astrology. I don't know. I don't know. I, um, I used to think. Uh... Is it against? Uh, is it a sin? Is astrology oh, a sin? I mean, it is a form. I mean, as I've said before, it is considered a form of soothsaying. But I think that uh, I I don't know. I, I mean, I I think um, I would err on the side of caution as a Catholic. But other than that, I don't know. I mean, it, there's some validity to it. Obviously, I think I I don't know. I mean, I I think it's more than just a meme. But uh, yeah, as for where we're going, um, I I mean, I hope like we're around in five years. I don't know. Um, I think that uh, there's going to be a, probably more of a seriousness to what we're doing. I mean, I, people are going hmm. to start seeing like burning through grifters faster, hopefully. Yeah. That's well, before before really before actually hopefully. Adam answers, Michael, astro astrologically speaking, not specifically for BTR, although that's also that would be nice. But in general, where do you see like this independent, not part of the establishment uh, part of the uh youtube or video you know it doesn't have to be youtube but in general like the video creator community going well i mean you know everything there's everything there's multiple planets in aquarius which have to do with the people you know it, it's been that way since basically early 2020 that was the same thing that we saw during the civil rights movement and in the, the invention of the internet so there's no better time for like decentralized crypto localism this kind of stuff and i think it's a very favorable time for people to lead independently and and um, figure out who they are aside from the crowd. That sounds good to me. So, uh, Adam, same thing, like any final thoughts on astrology as, where is, uh, as well as where you see things headed. And lastly, I wanted to ask you about your coffee, but we're going to save the best for last. So. I love that. I love that. Um, well, you asked about fate, right? Does fate yeah. exist or, or does free will uh, supersede fate? And I, I think that they're tied together, right? I mean, whatever people decide to do, that is fate, right? So I can choose to turn the stream off right now. I can, Please and don't. But... <laughs> and, no, but you know what I mean? I could I know, choose. Yeah, yeah. I have the ability to do that. I, I could do that. Now, I'm choosing not to, and thus creating what fate is, right? I'm, yeah. you know, uh, and, and soothsaying, uh, Geo mentioned soothsaying about astrology because, uh, but everything I know about astrology isn't predicting the future. It's reading about what um, has been, you know, everything comes around and goes around. So you learn about the past mm. and that's kind of what our waking reality is anyway. It's, it's what we've known about has happened. That's how I know a stove is hot. That's how I know a bee will sting me. If I, if I grab it and squish it in my hand, you know, because it'll, it'll, it'll sting. It's, it's stung. Not that I've ever squished a bee in my hand, but you know what I mean? It's like, 
it, the waking reality is, is something that we've learned and fate is tied directly to the decisions that we make, you know, deja vu. What do you think deja vu is? Just, just curious. And I'm going to tell you what I think it is. This is a question mm. for you, love. All right. Is, let's see. Deja vu. I think that there is this, uh, realm of uh the akashic records whatever you want to call it of all the possibilities of things that have happened and that uh our ego self may live in these uh multiple like a dream reality combined with a physical reality and we may already have a certain course in mind of what we're going to experience when it comes to a fate like maybe in the maybe in the bonus round of the afterlife in between mm. incarnations we have certain plans of okay i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and this is what's gonna happen i'm gonna have to make a choice here do i have what it takes to make the right one and then i think like all these various possibilities from this etheric realm are brought to this one and again i am no scientist i have to learn physics all that stuff but i do think that this physical reality is more of an extension of the mental one it's more of like ideas coming to life coming to the solid life that we're so used to seeing that we consider this to be the only reality. So I think that this deja vu feeling, which I've experienced multiple times is kind of like this other, you know, other realm uh, speaking to us of like, uh, you can go in this direction and this is what's going to happen. Like, like kind of like a reminder of, uh, you know, this road in front of you here, this is going to be a bit of a shock, a bit of a reminder where you have to go. Now let's see if you can make the right choice. So that's cool. I, I like that. I like that thought. And it, it's similar to what I believe deja vu is for me anyway. I've, I've had multiple dreams in my life where it'll be very vivid. I wake up and I'm like, that was not like a, a weird abstract dream. That was like something that I envisioned. And later on in my life, I'll have a feeling of deja vu. And it was like that dream that I had. And that's what it feels like. And every time I feel it, it's usually after I've made a decision. So similar to what you're saying, but instead of before the decision is made, it, it feels to me that it happens afterwards. And I always get a sense of, I made the right choice. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is, this is what my fate, the decision that I made brought me to the fate that I, you know, I'm an optimistic person, right? So I, I always try to find the, the optimistic side of things. So I always tend to believe like I'm making the right choice. I'm, I'm where I'm, where I belong in life. Um, so I, I, I think, uh, and people will argue that it's actually some sort of a, uh, I don't know, misfire in the brain. And I don't know if that's true because I've had very vivid dreams. And this, this goes back to when I was a kid too. I, I had this reoccurring dream about walking up a stairwell and I went to a new school after moving and I first day at school, I walked in and I stood at the stairwell and I like, I stopped. I stood there for like five minutes. I was maybe six or seven, but it was so strong. I was like, this is the stairwell for my dream. Wow. What's going on? Like I missed my first class because I was so freaked out as a kid. Like, what is this? Like, this is, this isn't real. This is my stairwell that I, I visioned multiple times in dreams that I've had and I've never been able to explain that in my life. And it feels like every time deja vu has hit me since that moment, I'm like, yeah, you know, I've, I've been here before, uh, some, somewhere. I don't know. That is really well said. And the final, uh, final question about your coffee empire. How did this start? 
and uh, why should we buy your coffee as opposed to some other some other coffee? And Bruce I, asks if there's xenoestrogens in your coffee or not. No, no, there isn't. Um, so my coffee, I, I love coffee. I love, um, I drink three things in my life. I drink water, I drink coffee, and I drink whiskey. Um, Krigler and Krigler whiskey was actually one of the largest uh, whiskey distilleries uh, distributors in America in about eight, like 1887 to about 1917. Um, so I'm very intrigued in um, whiskey and, you know, I, I started doing my own show and like branding and stuff. And I, I started a coffee company because I, uh, met, I met a roaster who reached out to me, who is able to roast for me. And I, it's great. I mean, I love it. My mom created the logo herself. She drew it and it's beautiful. It's a, a shield. I don't have it, um, my mug with me, but um, I, I saw you actually showing it somewhere earlier um, in the little chat. Oh yeah. Was, right, right over here. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. So my mom actually drew that herself. It's, it's nice. really awesome. And um, I, I love coffee. I love fresh coffee. I was a barista at a coffee shop. I was a manager at a coffee shop at a different location um, at a different time in my life. So I, I, have always had coffee. I'm a musician and I, I used to go to this place, mud coffee in New York, and I would sit and write all my songs in the back of this coffee shop, just drinking coffee. I just kind of, so it's a big part of my life. And, um, I, so I love it. So now I, I really did it for me. Like I wanted my own coffee. I wanted to be able to make my own blends. And the one thing I love about my coffee over anything you can get at a store is my coffee has a little sticker on it that says roasted on this date where you go to the store and it says best buy this uh, a, mm. a specific date and you never know when they roast that coffee so when you order a coffee from me um it, the order goes to my roasters and they'll roast it on the spot and then send it to you so you get it the literally the freshest coffee you can get is by ordering curricular coffee unfortunately we're only available in the states currently because international uh, shipping mm. is is just what about really alaska expensive. hawaii are you gonna mm, i don't think well, i i mean i'm pretty sure continental united states sends to you know i i think shipping in the states is shipping in the states i'm i'm, I'm sure yeah. there's actually uh, more expensive or it's a little more expensive probably but um it is really delicious coffee and i, I stand by it <laughs> Well, I'm thinking of which blend to get. I see you have a gamer's blend over here. This oh, is a darker roast. That's a darker roast. So, and, and so it tends to be a little stronger, that one. Um, mm. If you like stronger coffee, that's so the gamer's blend, you know, it's for staying up all night to game in and you know, keeping stay, staying awake. That's why we named it the gamer's blend. So, do you Absolutely. have the Sigma grind set, uh, <laughs> that's that'll be the seasonal Sigma grind set. Yeah, mm. maybe. Well, speaking well, of the Sigma grind set, I want to do one final uh, promotion. On um, Tuesday, we are going to have a stream with Grift Shop. Oh. And not only with Grift Shop, but we are also going to have it with uh, Bad Billy Pratt, who's coming in uh, talking about his book, Welcome to Hell. So as you can see, there's the illustration over here. We got the Lapras balloon. We got Grift over, in the, over here in the background. We got that lady. She's a nice looking lady, right, Adam? You see that lady over there? <laughs> yeah yeah nice yeah she sure. looks nice and we got garfield and we got ninja <laughs> turtle which represents the masked bastard charles khan who's coming in we got awesome. the luchador, we got the luchador Charles mask. Khan. 
great. Char Charlie's amazing. We got the Luchador mask, which represents Sustained Hain 718 TV. And of course, in the background, if you could see the toilet over here with the, with that can, that can is a White Claw, which is in the Silent Hill toilet for all the people who are aware of that particular, <laughs> uh, that particular incident uh, that they had at the party. And uh, anyway, that is all I want to say there. Adam, thank you so much for coming in. This is a real pleasure to speak with you. I would Definitely. love to have you back anytime you are you you are oh, amazing. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate you having me on. I, I you know, part of um, building your own image and and um, you know being being a youtuber is going onto other people's platforms. So I appreciate anyone who, um, doesn't know who I am. If you gave me a follow, I appreciate that. If you liked, um, any of my ideas, you know, I, I do a daily show Monday through Friday, six 30 to whenever I end, you know, really it's, it depends on the super chats. Uh, but I really do appreciate it. I, I cover random stuff from politics to space to science, uh, yeah, pretty much anything that, um, catches my ear, you know, philosophical conversations, whatever. I, I love it. Tonight I'm having a, um, girl, her name is Julia Song on the show. She actually grew up in Brazil and escaped to America. And she has been very vocal about what's going on in America and that we need to be very aware of our freedoms being taken away. And of course, there's a, a lot of that going on in Brazil right now where they're fighting the Supreme Court. Um, so we're going to be discussing what's going on there and, and her, her red pill journey and all that. So it's going to be a great show. So, thanks I hope my on. man Beast Bolsonaro takes the fuck over. No, I mean, I have my criticisms of. But, yeah, this has been great, Adam. Thank you very much. I, I do have one more thing to say really quickly. Last night during the mass debate in my country, Trudeau, he did this thing where he, he dissed uh, Rebel Media. Not that I like Rebel Media. I think, the you know, Ezra Levant's got a skeletons in his closet. But and they're saying, also like, affiliated with the Russian government. Well, not affiliated with them, but they kind of like they're. they're oh come gullible. on, love. They're kind of gullible when it comes to the well, Russian government. Well, they're anyway. being paid off by big oil, but that's besides the point. Uh, saying that they're disinformation, they divide the country. I mean, this is coming from Justin Trudeau, so. <laughs> God, I don't know. Yes. But, well, <laughs> well, anyway, guys, and be sure to contact Michael Scotto, Scotto MJ at G. Yeah, throw Scotto, them the. Someone Scotto was asking. MJ, Scotto, Scotto MJ, yeah. S C O T T O M J. At gmail.com. We'll throw so, in the chat, love. Someone was asking for the. Just they could copy paste. Oh, sure, sure. I'm going to do that right now. And while I'm doing that, I also want to tell everybody who is watching this the only way that we can keep, uh, you know, making BTR what it is. The only way that I'll be able to go in and edit the shorts and find the guests and bring all this stuff together is if you guys become a patron. So become a patron at uh, patreon.com slash break the rules. Exactly how I say it, break the rules. That's the, that's the sentence you have to write down there. And when you become a uh, $5 patron, you're going to get access to our hidden Discord areas. You're going to get MP3s of the episodes after they come out. You are going to get uh, streams for patrons only. And when you become a $20 member, you are going to get a beautiful wooden magnet like the one I'm holding in my hand right now. I know that we have a lot of artisans, craftsmen who are watching this right now, including uh, uh, Montana Horseman. I think you're also into a lot of these crafts. So this is a beautiful wooden moth uh which uh, my father made based on uh, Brittany venti's love of moths we had Brittany on uh, many episodes uh, recently so this is uh, based on her but anyway 
you are going to get that for $20. And uh, you are also going to get, when you become a $30 member, you are also going to get, in addition to that, a beautiful Patreon print from Giovanni Panichetti from the TFW No GF series. You can see on the screen the process of Gio making these beautiful prints come to life, and this could be yours. And $50 is going to get you all of the above, plus a custom magnet, a custom wooden magnet, whatever design you want. If upon request you want also a printout of uh, one of the thumbnails that my father drew, that can also be done upon request. You are also going to get another painting from Geo, a very beautiful Bob Ross-style painting. You are going to get beautiful Warhammer 40k figures painted by Jules Hamilton. And you are also going to get Michael. Patrons in general get a certain percentage off their uh, fortunes. Is that right? Yeah, 25% off. There we go, 25% nice. off your uh, fortunes so once again patreon.com slash break the rules go there or be square and if there are certain horsemen living in montana who would want <laughs> a wooden a beautiful wooden horse to decorate their home with i'm not i'm not implying anything i'm just i'm just throwing <laughs> it out there throwing it out into the ether so anyway guys thank you so much for watching adam Geo. Also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash levpo. I oh my YouTube my channel. Games. Oh, we're we're doing it. Don't worry, Geo. We are definitely <laughs> doing it. Uh, you are very quick on the draw. I do not forget. So uh, twitter.com slash levpo. Follow me on Twitter and follow Geo on Twitter at twitter.com slash giant geo a wonderful mass debater twitter poster then you are going to go to youtube.com slash giant art productions that is geo stomping grounds please watch his uh, wonderful videos talking about art and all that good stuff and after that go to youtube.com slash lev polyakov i am also an animation director watch my animations they are very awesome and uh, I'm also making NFTs. Hashtag invest in Lev. So go to superair.com slash Lev Polyakov. Check out some of my NFTs. Buy my NFTs. And also buy my father's NFTs. Superair.com slash Alex dash Polyakov. Or underscore Polyakov. Alex underscore Polyakov. There you go. This is the end of the stream. I've been talking too much. Thank you guys so much for watching. Subscribe. Add a like. Click that goddamn bell. He's a carnival barker, people. <laughs> Woo! Bra, bra, bra. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.